The new song from Maria Grinnell this hour, I was reading she composed it in an Airbnb in Herbert. I think there's only one Herbert, a town millions of people drive through but don't know a lot about. Herbert, named after a British Secretary of War, Sidney Herbert. I don't think he ever came here either. He was a good mate of Florence Nightingale. A nice little second-hand shop in Herbert. I think they used to sell good fish and chips. I'm not sure if that's still the case. It has been a while. We shan't be talking about any of that. Amiria, as I'm sure many of you know, is the daughter of the country music genuine legend John Hall Grinnell, the man who sang Welcome to My World in one of the most famous ever commercials on New Zealand telly. Welcome to my world Won't you come on in Miracles I guess Still happen now and then Step into my heart Leave your cares behind Welcome to my world Built with you in mind John Grinnell and Amiria Grinnell's new song Lanterns later in the hour Calling home this morning from Singapore, welcoming us to her world, is Anna Hager. Originally from St. Clair and Dunedin, she grew up wanting to be a marine biologist and that passion morphed into her becoming a curator and an artist specialising in innovative uses of new technologies. Anna is now the executive director of the Art Science Museum in Singapore. She's been on the Guardian's 100 list of the most influential people in the creative industries. Since leaving New Zealand in 1999, she's worked on all manner of projects and in publishing houses, museums and art museums, including the Tate Modern in London as a curator for the BBC at one point, and in Germany, Croatia, Finland, India and Australia. Honor writes the blog Particle Decelerator, which collects news from the worlds of science, art and technology. She's given TED Talks, spoken at forums like the European Space Agency and the American Film Institute. She's been in Singapore since 2014. Honor, great to have you with us. Great to be here, Jim. It's a real pleasure. You're a distinguished New Zealander. Does it feel like that? Oh, I don't think so. I think us <laughs> New Zealanders are quite quite humble, aren't we? Uh, especially we those of us who come from the South. We are. That's right. That's true. As well as being director of the Art Science Museum, which we'll talk about, you're also a vice president, aren't you, of its parent company, Marina Bay Sands. And you also direct other attractions as well. What a job. That would occupy a lot of your week. It certainly does. It's a, it's a very dynamic uh, kind of fast-paced organisation, Marina Bay Sands, um, a huge tourist destination in Singapore. And I have the privilege of running the uh, the Sky Park Observation Deck, which is the main uh, observation deck in Singapore. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a big tourist attraction. Uh, I also run the Sampan uh, Canal Boat Rides and the Digital Light Canvas by Team Lab. 
Uh, so yeah, we've got uh, these four dynamic attractions uh, across Marina Bay Sands that keep our, our tourist population uh, entertained and delighted. So Kiwis who've been to Singapore will know Marina Bay Sands, but if if listeners haven't, three fifty-six story hotel towers and that sky park perched above them. Um, so for exa- so you look after. Uh, that canal inside the shopping precinct there, which is, it's fed by rainwater, isn't it, for the sampan rides? It is, that's right. Yeah, we, we have a real passion for sustainability and uh, environmental issues, uh, both at Art Science Museum and across Marina Bay Sands. And the architecture of, of the building is, uh, is, is replete with these extraordinary sustainability features and the canal inside uh, the shopping centre, which you mentioned, is, is one of those which is fed by rainwater that's collected in this extraordinary sculpture uh, called uh, the rain oculus, uh, kind of which collects the rainwater and feeds the canal, and then also acts as a uh, as a fountain uh, inside uh, the, the the building as well. So, yeah, it's 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 one of the really inspiring things of working at the company is is this genuine commitment that they have to environmental issues. Phenomenal opportunity. The Art Science Museum has put on huge exhibitions. I'll I'll stop describing your job to you shortly but just to just to let people know Leonardo da Vinci Salvador Dali Andy Warhol Vincent van Gogh MC Escher whose name always sounds like a rapper's name these days but also a a whole pantheon of contemporary artists you've got one of the world's premier exhibition spaces really haven't you We've got we've got really really beautiful exhibition spaces. Uh, the architect Moshe Safdi uh, created a beautiful building for us um, that has these astonishing curved galleries, uh, kind of that make up the petal structure of the lotus flower uh, that our building is is shaped as, and these spaces uh, provide us with. You know, beautiful opportunities to create, uh, you know, exhibitions that are very unusual and quite striking. And then downstairs in our basement two galleries, we have beautiful black box spaces where we can do pretty much anything. And they're very well suited to doing immersive exhibitions with large scale projection. Uh, kind of an interactivity and that's where our um, our permanent exhibition Future World with the digital artist Team Lab is. So yeah we've got very very uh, kind of distinctive and unusual galleries and also these very flexible spaces so we're quite we're quite lucky. I haven't been through but yet but there's a lot that's as you say that's interactive and the tour typically finishes I'm told with quite a remarkable LED room. That's right. So Future World, uh, our permanent exhibition, as I was saying, it's a partnership with the Japanese digital art collective Team Lab, who are perhaps the best known digital artists in the world now. Um, And this was their first ever permanent exhibition. Um, they've since, you know, developed their own museums. They've become uh, extraordinarily successful. But when we opened uh, Future World in 2016, this was the first time they had done a a permanent exhibition anywhere and their trademark are these stunning uh, digital uh, interactive participatory artworks which the visitors become part of and change based on their presence and all of their artworks explore nature in some way Uh, and the work that you're talking about is called Crystal Universe and it's a LED driven artwork that uh, 
uh, depicts a universe uh, and the visitors can send planets, stars, comets, um, and other astrophysical phenomena to the crystal universe and see these uh, kind of astronomical objects manifest in front of their eyes. So it's really a, um, a, a, a popular highlight uh, kind of of a visit to Art Science Museum and uh, one of the most Instagram locations in, in Singapore. <laughs> yeah, it's marvellous. So an average sort of day for you would consist of what? You travel in by train, first of all, I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, actually, where I where I live, which is in the east coast of Singapore, uh, kind of in an area called Katong, we haven't got the train yet. It's it's being built uh, right outside my house, but it'll be another year or so before uh, it opens. I'm getting back to your work, but you live in what a house in Singapore? So it's very unusual for people to live in uh, in what what are called in Singapore landed houses. Yeah. Um, uh, that's really unusual. So most people live in high-rise uh, kind of accommodation. Um, 85% of Singaporeans will live in housing development board flats, which is public housing, extraordinarily high quality. Quality, the, the, the highest quality public housing in the world. And for those of us who are not Singaporeans, we tend to live in uh, private apartments uh, kind of or, or condos. Uh, so they're apartments in high-rise buildings. And that's, that's where I live. Um, I, I live in a, um, in a condo building in, uh, in Katong, about eight minutes from the beach, which is lovely. Yeah. And you have a thing about Sky Gardens because you used to live in a place in Singapore called The Pinnacle. I did. I did indeed. That's right, which is public housing. So it's um, one of the more extraordinary uh, kind of public housing developments anywhere in the world. Um, it's uh, seven, seven 50-storey towers um, that contain uh, really beautiful apartments uh, kind of built by the government, predominantly for the people of Singapore. And on top of The Pinnacle is... As, as you as you correctly say, a sky garden which has uh, park facilities for the residents, but is also open to the public uh, to come and look at the view of Singapore. So yes, for 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 a time there, I would uh, I would go from sky garden to sky park, uh, kind of <laughs> living uh, with a sky sky garden and working with a sky park. Oh, it sounds fabulous. What 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 were the upsides and maybe downsides of that way of living? I know you didn't come to Singapore straight from New Zealand, but still it would have been quite different from what you'd been used to. It was. I, I was in the UK before I came to Singapore, and I immediately fell in love with, with life in Singapore when I came. Um, a, a lot of people find the climate quite challenging. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's hot and humid every day. Um, we're on the equator, so uh, the weather... Is, is is fairly similar all year round. There's no seasons, um, but having spent the better part of 13 years, uh, kind of living in in the UK and different parts of Europe, I found that climate incredibly welcoming, um, and 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 I, I love it. You know, kind of I, I like to describe it as every day it feels like Singapore is giving me a warm hug. Um, <laughs> so so that so that was that was immediately uh, kind of something I, I enjoyed, and I enjoy the fast paced nature of living in a big 
you know, kind of dynamic Asian city. Um, I, I very much enjoy the cross-cultural nature of Singapore, um, a combination of Chinese culture, Malay culture, Indian culture, and then, you know, kind of lots and lots of people living here from different parts of the world. Um, I love the the, uh, the arts and cultural scene here. It's, it's, it's extremely, um, it's extremely fresh uh, and edgy uh, and, and teaches you a lot, I think, about Singapore as a place and as a culture. So, yeah, I, I very much enjoyed it right from the beginning and, and have continued to in the nine years I've lived here. I love that welcoming heat, too. I know what you mean. And yeah. There are people who don't like it, but I'm sure those of us who do know exactly what you were talking about. What would you and the family, mm. what would you and the family do at the weekend, typically? So what we so what me and my husband and my stepson Lev really enjoy doing is uh, getting out into nature, and as a as a Kiwi, you know, I'm sure this is going to resonate with many of our listeners. We we, we love nature um, as New Zealanders, and and I'm certainly one of those. So we we tend to go to Singapore's uh, national parks and nature parks. Uh, it's a small island, but it has a extensive network of of uh, of national parks. Um, and so we love going to places like Sungai Bulo, uh, which is a wetland reserve, um, and we hang out with monitor lizards and see wild crocodiles and, um, uh, you know, watch some of the migratory birds, which are on the migratory route, actually on their way to New Zealand, some of them. Um, they stop over in, in, in Singapore. We also love walking in in the forest, uh, in places like McCritchie Nature Trail, uh, kind of seeing wild monkeys. Uh, so, yeah, nature is my go-to, and it's also, you know, my way of relaxing and sort of de-stressing from, from work. Uh, so I do that as much as I can. It's one of the great surprises of Singapore, isn't it? The abundance of nature in a place the size of Lake Taupo, basically. Exactly right, and this is one of the things that New Zealanders are quite surprised about when they when they stop over in Singapore, perhaps spend a couple of days here on the way, you know, to Europe or or, or the states. That uh, you know, Singapore has has really embedded nature into you know the metropolis uh, kind of that it is, in a, in a way that's perhaps done more successfully than than many other cities. Uh, it, it really takes nature seriously. There's trees everywhere, um, which actually bring the temperature down uh, kind of a bit. So it's part of the urban planning of Singapore. 25 species of bats, 130 species of butterflies, uh, you know, kind of wild reptiles all, all over the island. And and I, I think New Zealanders would really appreciate that uh, kind of if they sort of spend a little bit of time in those places uh, during their visits. There's almost too much to ask you about. You're one of the founders of Radio Qualia. I know you've brought That's the, right. you've brought the concept to New Zealand as well. What is it? What is that Radio Qualia? Can you explain? Yes, certainly. So Radio Qualia was a, a, an art project set up by me and fellow New Zealander Adam Hyde, uh, kind of in the late 1990s, and it was a sound art uh, collective. We set up our own radio station, basically, in the very early days of online radio, uh, using um, very now antiquated tools such as real audio um, to set up a, a kind of a live broadcasting uh, kind of station uh, from our base in, in, in Australia. And we discovered a, a whole network of small 
internet radio stations uh, kind of springing up at that time from around the world um, and became part of an international network of experimental sound um, and, and radio art practitioners. Um, so we, we, we made installations for a number of years, and I guess our most well-known project is called Radio Astronomy, um, which worked with radio telescopes and astronomers from around the world to take signals from space, from planets and stars, turn those signals into sound, and then broadcast them uh, on radio so people could experience uh, kind of uh, space. The oldest songs you will ever hear. Intercepting sounds exactly from, right. from space. Um, just because people will be thinking of this, you can't hear sound in a vacuum. You know, in space, no one can hear you scream the line from the first Alien movie. But you talked about converting. How do you convert? Actually, it's it's exactly the technology that we're using to have this conversation with your visitors. So there's no sound in space, but there are radio waves in space, and that's what radio radio astronomers do. They um, they build receivers to effectively you know kind of collect those radio waves, um, and then once we have those uh, kind of those radio waves as sound waves, we can then rebroadcast them as radio waves on a uh, radio station. So it's really, really simple uh, kind of uh, radio engineering. And it was when we discovered that some uh, astronomical objects, including uh, Jupiter and the sun, um, broadcast radio waves the same frequency as, for instance, shortwave radio, that we became uh, really fascinated uh, kind of as radio makers uh, kind of with with these um, astronomical phenomena um, in fact uh, kind of like you know as a as a, a kind of a broadcaster you'll know that back in the days where we were you know using analog radio when we were tuning between the stations that static that we were hearing between the stations a lot of that is actually the sun um, particularly if we're in places that are you know kind of outside of cities where there's less uh, electromagnetic pollution from, you know, from human infrastructure. A lot of that static is, is actually the sun broadcasting. So it's quite inspiring when you when you think of it like that. Broadcasts from the sun. Well, thanks to you, I've now, thanks to your mm. sonification, I've now heard the sound of a solar flare on the sun and the space probe Cassini pirouetting through the ice rings of Saturn. It's quite marvellous. So your professional life, getting back to that now, is really lived at the mm. cusp the cusp between art and science. That's right. In fact, you know, the exhibition that we've recently opened at Art Science Museum, New Eden Science Fiction Mythologies Transformed, talks about some of the ideas uh, kind of that we've been speaking of today. So that's a show that brings together 25 Asian artists. All of them are women or collectors that include women. And in their work, they're exploring science fiction and the place where science fiction intersects with uh, Asian, Asian thought frameworks, such as Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, um, Southeast Southeast Asian mythology, um, and we, we're we're sort of seeing connections uh, between science fiction and ideas in Asian uh, ancient thought. Yeah, I love that. That's um, that's a really progressive thing to do. What else? If mm. I asked you what have been the most special moments under your directorship, what would you say? 
maybe a short I would say that, yeah, one of them would be another uh, kind of uh, nature-related project that we did um, in a partnership with um, WWF, the World Wide Fund for Nature, and Google um, back in in, uh, 2017. And that was a project called Into the Wild, where we created a virtual rainforest uh, kind of art science museum, which visitors explored using a smartphone device. And they learned all about the rainforest in in our region in Southeast Asia, and specifically the endangered the endangered animals that live there, um, including the, uh, the 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 tigers of our uh, kind of of our region, um, which are critically endangered. And at the end of that uh, kind of wildlife adventure, our tree our visitors planted a virtual tree in our rainforest at Art Science Museum. And for every virtual tree they planted, we planted a real tree in a place called Rimbambaling in Sumatra in Indonesia. Um, And as a result of that project, there were 10,000 new trees planted in Sumatra. And this is a critical habitat for the endangered Sumatran tiger. And as a result of that tree planting, uh, kind of the camera traps at WWF are kind of uh, put down in that area, um, saw uh, kind of the return of the Sumatran tiger within uh-huh. a year of doing the planting. So, you know, being able to participate in projects like this, which inspire and delight visitors and give them a, a wonderful artistic experience uh, kind of in the museum, but also lead to, you know, kind of real world uh, kind of scientific progress with conservation is, um, you know, it's an immense privilege and it's definitely one of the most rewarding uh, moments in my career. You have an exciting career in terms of projects. What's your best skill? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think it's, I think it would be nurturing, nurturing the team and creating space for them to be able to, you know, do great work. I think when you have the privilege of leading a team, it, it it should it should always be about people and 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 caring f- for them so that they can do great work. Yeah, yeah. There's a deep satisfaction in that. You're quite right. Anna Hager's calling mm-hmm. home from Singapore. Even people who haven't been to Singapore know about the food. Did you take to it with gusto, or do you still hanker for a McGregor's pie and the occasional haggis? <sighs> Oh, well, I certainly still, uh, you know, pine for cheese rolls. You know, I have to be very honest. When I, when I go to Dunedin or Southland, that's that's always the first thing I do. But no, I, I, I adore the food in Singapore. It's it's It deserves its reputation as one of the great food centres of the world. Um, the street food is extraordinary. You, you'll be aware that this is the only place in the world where um, street food has Michelin stars. Yeah, It's that good. Um, and, and yeah, I, I absolutely love the, the local food. I was reading that you're on the National Library Board there. Maybe that's um, old news, I don't know, but we're shutting some of our university libraries down and talking about other libraries being too expensive. I imagine you have a strong opinion here. I, I certainly do. It's an enormous privilege to serve on the board of the National Library Board that runs all of Singapore's public and, and regional libraries. And I've I've got to know them well um, from sitting on the board over the last two years. And they are just utterly extraordinary 
spaces of community learning. Um, uh, they, uh, they're not just libraries, uh, kind of uh, our libraries here in Singapore. We've just opened a new library called the Pongo Regional Library, uh, kind of which focus on, focuses on accessibility and inclusive, uh, inclusive practices um, with safe spaces for children with autism and people with different kinds of uh, disabilities. Oh, wow. And that library has a business center in it. It's got a study center for 100 students. It's got a cafe run by people with disabilities. It's got multiple exhibition spaces, including an immersive poetry space. Um, it has a maker space, you know, with 3D printers. Um, uh, it's got a kind of technology uh, kind of uh, engagement space. So these libraries show that the government here deeply care about their people and giving them, you know, spaces to to learn. Yeah, that's very eloquently described and actually inspiring, isn't it? Singapore keeps mm, opening yes. libraries, doesn't it? While the rest of the world's it does. trying to cost cut and shut them down. Uh, yeah, we've got so many libraries, you know, it would you again it's one of the surprises that people would have about visiting Singapore, such a small place. And yet, you know, uh, over 20 uh, kind of major public and, and regional libraries. It's like the TARDIS, Singapore, isn't it? <laughs> yes. you know, it just seems too small to be housing all this. <laughs> when I first went to Singapore for the opening of Changi Airport, believe it or not, there was, um, there was nostalgia then for the disappearing temples and the food that was gone and the way that coffee used to be made and the trades that were vanishing and the whole rough-edged legacy of pirates and fisher folk the romance basically but would you say that i mean apart from singapore's enormous pluses being completely safe and so on would you say there's still a lot of there's a new romance there would you agree you know that's a bit of a general description but would you agree with that i think that's that's well observed jim yeah i think you you're 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 right i think there's a deep renaissance in um uh, in a kind of local heritage culture in Singapore. There's a, a deep, deep fascination for um, Peranakan food, which is the uh, the, the Straits Chinese uh, kind of um, uh, cultural tradition, which is specific to this part of the world. Um, a, a, a deep embrace of Peranakan uh, craft as well as uh, food. Um, and 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 a, and a, I think there's a there's a growing fascination with uh, the richness of the the dialect languages, uh, kind of which are still alive in Singapore. Um, there's a growing, um, uh, I think, uh, embrace of of local culture. Especially, you'd be surprised to hear poetry. Um, poets in Singapore are a little bit like rock stars. Uh. And, um, and 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 poetry is is often a way of kind of keeping those kind of cultural traditions alive and the and the heartlands you know the, the sort of the deep suburban parts of Singapore you still have some of those spaces of um, of heritage that that you described and and I think there's a growing awareness in Singapore that those those are spaces to be cherished uh, and 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 held on to. Um, and, and I hope that will continue. You know, the Singaporeans still seem to be fond of Sir Stamford Raffles. You know, that name gets exported um, with Singaporean architecture and hotel ownership and uh, around other places. If we subtract the aspect of colonialism, which 
because we don't have time to discuss that. We will, because he he made he made his reputation at the intersection of science and nature, didn't he? Before he started laying down the laws in Singapore, and making it one of the, help helping make it one of the world's premier ports. So there is a great history of innovation in Singapore. You are actually part of something big historically and presumably in times to come. You're, you're absolutely right. There's a deep commitment to innovation in Singapore. It's it's essential. It's an it's an existential uh, quality that Singapore must have, because as a country that doesn't have rich natural resources, its people are its uh, kind of greatest uh, kind of quality. So constantly thinking about innovation, whether it's in biotech, the biotech space, and quantum technologies. Uh, in uh, kind of agri-tech, in manufacturing. Um, this is a really, really important uh, kind of part of, of, of Singapore's focus. And this is why when you visit, you have this sense of Singapore having, you know, kind of one foot in the future um, because its leaders really think like that. You know, they're constantly thinking about the future. And we don't mean five years in the future. We mean 50 years, 60 years, you know, kind of, and how, how are we going to get there? Um, and so, you know, a really exciting part of my job is is getting to engage with, you know, science laboratories like the Centre for Quantum Technology or the Earth Observatory, uh, kind of at Nanyang Technological University, and meeting scientists who are really driving that innovation agenda. Well, the right job arrived at the right time for you. Is it your forever place? Do you think? Oh, I, you know, it's it's so it's so hard to say. Uh, you know, we're very settled here. Uh, kind of now, we love it. Um, my stepson was born here. Um, he's Singaporean, and uh, and and my my husband has been here for twenty three years, and I've been here for nine and a half. So we 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 love this place, and um, and if it will allow us to stay, then we would we would certainly be you know kind of delighted to keep staying here. It's been lovely to talk to you. How often do you get back home? Well, the pandemic made that a bit tricky, didn't it? Yeah, it did. um, uh, so, <laughs> so I, I was lucky enough to travel uh, kind of back uh, during the days of MIQ, um, uh, which was which was a huge privilege. And I'm um, very hopeful that I'll be back for Christmas this year. Oh, lovely! Um, which which I just I can't wait. Um, so uh, we're looking at having Christmas on Waiheke Island with my with my uh, brother. And I'll catch up with mum and dad, who are still in Dunedin. Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to that. Great chat from you today. Thank you so much, Anna, for joining us. It was a pleasure, Jim.